All right, welcome back to the Russians. Um, yes, hello. Hey, uh, we have a guest for you today. Uh, actually, hold on, Anthony is Galuzzo, because you know you're Italians. You know, it's, you got you got Galuzzo, Galuzzo. How do you properly pronounce your last name? I mean, I don't know. I guess it's supposed to be pronounced Galuzzo, but I've always because it's pizza. Yeah, like a pizza. But how do people pronounce it? Galuzzo. Anglicized in a really kind of. Uh, you know, dispiriting way in the U.S. So <laughs> pronounce it whatever, however you like. Uh, no, I'd like to, we, we, look, we're immigrants, man. We can, we, and we can produce the difficult sounds, you know, because we're Russians. So we can, we can, we can do the, we can do the galuzzo, right? Okay. Uh, we have a guest on for you today, Anthony Galuzzo. Uh, he's a, he's a kind of a friend of ours and a lecturer at the new school in New York and, and where I, he focuses on uh, early American and uh, romantic literature and uh, we're gonna have we're having him on today to talk about how how, how to describe it. I guess um, to because like uh, I mean his 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 recent focus has been a lot environmental culture and politics in in America and in the West and and in particular sort of the, the sort of the industrial techno utopianism uh, that dominates and monopolizes our culture um, on both the light and or the, or the right and the left. It, it doesn't really there's not really that much difference. It seems uh, uh, sometimes. On environmental politics uh, between between the two move the, between these two branches of our politics, and so uh, you know he he writes pretty interestingly about this stuff, and uh, you know myself I'm I'm very interested in environmental politics and, and culture, but it's always been hard for me to write about and, and think about um, because you know other than just talking about how it fucked up everything is and how and how doomed we are. I don't know. You know, there's that's there's only a limit to that, <laughs> to how much you can do do that. Um, and if you want to go beyond that, you kind of have to be I don't know, be open minded and and be optimistic and be uh, almost you know have a romantic kind of um, perspective on 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 possible futures. And it's always been hard for me to to muster that that kind of perspective. <laughs> uh, you know, because so, I and so but Anthony Anthony's pretty glue. Anthony's I can't say he's not necessarily optimistic, but he but he tries to kind of look, think through the cultural and I don't know the political stuff pr- pretty well. And so thanks for having. That's a pretty long introduction, but thanks for thanks for coming on, yeah, and talking yeah. to us. Yeah, uh, so, uh, Anthony, right off the bat, I want to ask you, did you coin the term? Did you come up with Jetsonian left? I did come up. Yeah, I did come up with that. Um, oh, I really uh, like I, it. Were you, did you, I mean, a lot of this sort of, came, I mean, this isn't like a necessarily like a, I mean, I mean, you know, I, I kind of had a, a conversion experience to a certain extent, maybe, well, I don't know, six or seven years ago use this religious language i mean um and you know i was you know i mean i don't know if you, how aware you are like you know i was associated with some of those jacobin people i had a kind of fairly standard like soft trotskyist sort of social dem perspective on the world it was a kind of like a soft promethean and then you know i i, I mean actually i guess in 2015 I went up to Maine. Uh, I was teaching up there for a year, and I was sort of in the woods. And I, you know, I was reading a lot about uh, the environmental crisis, the ecological crisis, and um, I don't know. It was just sort of this dawning awareness of you know the situation that we're in, and um, it just sort of led to a pretty significant transformation in my perspective. And then I I went back to New York after that that year it was just like a one-year teaching position at colby college and you know i ended up having this sort of significant somewhat public falling out with these 
people that that I knew who had published me um, at at Jacobin magazine, you know, and I, I, you know, it's at that point that I realized just how much, you know, these, these, these people who identify themselves with the left and, and Marxism, you know, I mean, they really do have this sort of Promethean perspective and completely dismissive of, of ecological concerns. And that's when I, I wrote about that. I had this sort of that series of, of articles on, arcade which i don't even know if is around anymore it's sort of like the stanford humanities site and i was so i was sort of you know really criticizing you know some of those people and i coined that term uh jetsonian left um you know i was responding on the one hand to these characters like lee phillips and um and also peter phrase who wrote a book called four futures um but i don't know did you i mean did you did you ever look at that stuff is that how you uh, after I met you, after we got, you know, I, I kind of went out and looked for some of the things you wrote and I do, I did find the Stanford stuff and, uh, I did read, read it. It's, it's been a while. Um, probably I think we met around at Rob Wallace's. I mean, I think we initially met at Rob Wallace's, um, event in, in Brooklyn where he came to talk about like sort of, uh, Marxism, sort of a, a green Marxism, right? Oh, yeah, and, I remember uh, that. Yeah, yeah. And then, and, uh, and, but then. And then we met again through a, f- a common friend, I guess. And when I started following your uh, writing on Facebook, um, I, I kind of was in, I was very much interested because there was very few people who who think about this stuff in in, in, in exactly this kind of configuration that you look at it uh, through the lens through which you look at it, and and, and the, the constant conflict that you have with the kind of the dominant dominant strains of left um, politics in America, you know, such as such such as they are. I burned, um, all, I burned all those bridges. You yeah, know. yeah, and I saw that you were extremely, you were very, very, you know, kind of there's, there's a lot of bad blood, and you know, the, you, there'd be a lot of references. So I went, and, I went and tried to find stuff that you wrote and published, and I did come across those pieces. Yeah, and I remember they were pretty good, except it's been years now since I, since I've read them. Yeah. Um, and I, and I wasn't, I mean, I was, I was kind of dimly aware of the this, uh, uh, because you told me, I think, about it, uh, you know, of the. Uh, of like there's just the, the the conflict and and the and and, and the sort of the schism that occurred, and you getting well, ejected essentially from that world, yeah, or ejecting well, yourself okay. from that world, yeah. Initially, you know, I mean, they would, they, I mean, it became like a kind of a set piece for Jacobin in particular, like you know, in defense of industrial food, <laughs> in, in defense of power, you know, it was always a sort of a lot of it was trolling. But, you yeah. know, I mean, all, all those all those people really, they are invested in it. And there is some, I mean, it's just, there is some connection to obviously like, you know, Soviet Marxism. I mean, you know, that's the, you know, you know if, if you press all those people to ultimately reject Soviet Marxism, because at the end of the day, they're, they're just sort of standard issue social Democrats, but they do, they do, I think they, they genuinely embrace those aspects of it. <laughs> some of the worst aspects. In a way, Jacobin seemed to me, it's funny, almost like it's Edward Bellamy's looking backwards, mm. coming to life, kind of. They espousing this very sort of yeah, Walmart because- socialism, just Walmart that we all own. There's literally a book called Walmart Socialism, written by one of the oh, uh, Jacobin writers. I no, mean, it's people, called people, yeah. the People's Republic okay. of Walmart. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, and, and the whole point of that is like, oh well, you know, <laughs> these global supply chains are. You know, are great. It's just if only we could. I mean, this is the the standard move. It's if only we could, if 
we could socialize Walmart. Mm-hmm. We should we could organize the entire world in that way. And there's no sense of well, a I mean, I, you know, it's it's it is in some really fundamental way like bad Marxism because the entire model of Walmart is is predicated on exchange value and you wouldn't have like consume how what is the logic of consumerism once you take away capitalism you know it seems like these people really their fantasy is like like bellamy like everybody gets a gift card card right yeah is it like also just one of the one of the i kind of skimmed through the book because i just i don't know it's like that kind of stuff gives me and gives me i don't know high blood pressure but uh like it's just one of the arguments if i remember correctly was just that because like walmart or you know places like amazon now because it should be now it should be the republic of amazon i guess you know because it's the sort of the new model (laughs) uh but like that they're so well they're like it it proves that central planning can work (laughs) basically yeah 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 so it's like it's like this intervention in this whole these i don't know these debates that uh the calculation debate the economic calculation debates think of the 20s and the 30s where you had people like uh, me it's like these libertarians yeah like the Hayek the Hayek that's a whole yeah, Hayek, mm-hmm. like, yeah. oh the problem with, with, with you know that, that you know the pricing mechanism is is, is a more efficient uh, way of transmitting information signals and that's why central central plan does work I mean that's that's the kind of I mean you know that's the the, the technical debate that they're responding to but I mean, you know, one of the co-authors, Phillips, I mean, you really get the sense that, I don't know, he sort of, I think he sort of eroticizes um, face, I mean, Walmart rather, or Amazon, and there's no, there's no attention ever given to like the, the, the ecological consequences of these global supply lines. I mean, I think, you know, I mean, yeah, there's a, I think there's a place for planning, I don't have a problem with that, but I mean, shouldn't wouldn't a more ecologically sustainable order be organized around bioregional production? I mean, yeah, you know, keep a few sort of global p- supply lines in place, you know, as a contingency, as a backup. But why wouldn't you try to relocalize production when I mean, it's just ecologically? Yeah, the whole the whole the, all, all these yeah exactly all these global supply chains are predicated on kind of uh, arbitraging or something, you know, like where the, they can get the cheapest labor and the cheapest materials and sort of where they can effectively offload yeah. some of the environmental costs and, and duck regulations and, or at least sort of that's the logic that drives a lot of these things, right? Uh, even and it's though, a tenuous order, right? I mean, yeah. we've seen it sort of, we saw it partly collapse um, over the course of the the pandemic. But I mean, you know, sort of get back to the sort of technical question, right? It's like, I mean, this is, this is, it's also, it's like, this is, you know, they engage on this one level, like these these very sort of technical debates within Marxism, within socialism. Right? That, I mean, those are the only things that really register for these people, right? Like, I mean, something like oh, thinking about ecological consequences does not. That's that's irrelevant. I mean, they all. They, I mean, prior to, you know, I, you know, when I first knew them, and I didn't have this oppositional relationship. I mean, they were completely dismissive of ecological concerns. Yeah, that's hippie shit. <laughs> that's petty bourgeois stuff yeah i am i mean I, this is the kind of thing you know that i would often hear you know from the uh the founder and the editor of that magazine right he's like well i'm you know i'm, I'm from the west indies and people you know you're going to tell they, they want a better standard of living you're going to tell them they don't they can't have tvs and i you know this kind of very simplistic 
way way of thinking. Jacobin is a, is an interesting. Uh, you know, uh, it comes out of an, kind of a specific, a very specific moment in time in American politics, right? It's sort of this sort of the, also the belief that it's almost just just right around the corner. You know, you're going to have this. It, it's 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 you can't really separate it out from the Bernie movement, right? And yeah, sort of yeah, Bernie's yeah, presidential yeah. run. And so there was this, there was this almost belief that. Um, that you know, with Bernie kind of hitching, hitching, hitching to Bernie's, uh, you know, rising star, you know, kind of old rising star. Um, they're, you're gonna, they're gonna, either some of these people are gonna be in power, and so you have to be very practical about your proposals, and have to be very, like, you're not gonna, you, you're not, you can't really think about really restructuring society or thinking about new ways of of organizing societies or new live, new ways of living or new way, new value systems, even because you know the value systems that have gotten us here um, are you know clearly you know are, are they're going to change on their on their own somehow but they're clearly like headed towards it you know like annihilation you know work in carrying us towards annihilation so yeah. there was a very kind of almost practical electoralism behind a lot of this stuff and sort of like a lot of the stuff that i read you know i didn't even understand who a lot of the jacobin articles were for especially in the early years you know it's, it was it was like talking down to working class people teaching them the abcs of socialism when it when it first appeared in the scene it was exciting to me because I, you know, uh, oh, well, suddenly socially, you know, it was like this kind of thing, like socialism became a kind of allowable position in U.S. discourse. I never yeah. had been. And, um, you know, I mean, you know, the leftism from the 90s through, through the through the aughts, you know, I mean, really did, a lot of it did like a kind of a, an, a political economy, like, an, you know, economy. Yes. then it went to the other extreme, like this really crude um Economism, and I, you know, I mean, you could say, oh well, it was this very—they had a pragmatic orientation. I mean, that's partly true, but on the, you know, but uh, you know, I do think a lot of those people—they really are. I mean, they—I I don't think, you know, they want a fundamentally different world. I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean? I, mean, I get that. Yeah. You know, I, I think yeah. they want this world, but you know, somewhat improved. You know, with uh, uh, you know, they want the world. Of, I mean, really, what they want—they want a kind of a, a higher tech version of the post World War II Fordist order. Yeah, you know, that's the fantasy. I mean, that's why the whole Jetson thing. I mean, is 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 apropos. I think. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's really their their vision, like the Jetsons, like you know, like flying cars, and you know, I mean, this is the kind of thing that a lot of them would would talk about, like you know, you know, cons- like endless consumption, but for all, and you yeah, know, how again, how this works, you know, in in, in you know, outside of of a, of a capitalist economy, economy is is. It's a sort of question I, I often. And this can't. I mean, it can't really work because it's like you have a finite. I mean, there's, there's this. Yeah, the, you have, you're dealing with a finite system and finite resources and a finite, you know, amount of space and all this stuff. And that's not really. But it also reveals. It also reveals a, a very, um, you know, let's just say, you know, sort of anorexia of imagination on their part. Like, I mean, they identify. He, they identify hedonism or the good life or human fulfillment with American style consumerism and, and, and you know and if you if you anything if you propose anything different you're a hair short shirt or you're an ascetic and it's just ridiculous it's like I mean it's really is like McDonald's is that that's that's utopia I mean you know can't we imagine an, another order and another kind of and other kind of alternative hedonisms that don't rely on 
on, you know, ecologically unsustainable forms of production and consumption. I mean, that it's like there really is a, a sort of imaginative deficit. On yeah. That. Well, these are the people from what uh, I met some Jacobin people when we lived in New York. They really felt to me like majority of them grew up in the suburbs, come yeah. from like... I don't know, upper middle class, more or less had either comfortable academic jobs. I don't know, they just seem to be pretty steeped in this like American kind of values, even if they profess their, what, I don't know, what is it, socialism? They want the privileges, so, yeah, they want those like middle class suburban privileges extended to all, all Americans and, and in the entire world. I mean, it's kind of, of to put it in the, most, in the most, uh, I guess, kind of... Um, like simple, Yeah, simple or even, even like a positive way, I mean, because they see that as a positive thing, right? Like it's not a yeah. negative to them. And so they want to extend it to all, and it, and and there is a, there is a, there is a, a yeah, like a, a poverty with imagination, and, a, and but also a kind of a, a, a love for that kind of world. I mean, almost like a kind of um, a nostalgia for that world. If you want to, the sociology of it is that, you know, what happened, you know, around the, the crash, like 2008, 2009, is that you had all of these relatively, you know, very educated children of, let's just say, you know, the middle class or the petty bourgeois. They went to good schools, but, you know, the jobs that, you know, they expected to be waiting for, for them and the sort of, comp, you know, the kind of lifestyle that they were, ra- they were raised expecting did not materialize, right? So I think a lot of their socialism was was is motivated by, you know, there's this this fear of falling. You know, I mean, these these are people from a certain class who, yeah. you know, this, this sort of precariat or you know, I mean, and you the know. failure and the failure of the sort of the Obama, you know, sort of this left kind of this the more progressive, you know, what they thought maybe was progressive wing of the Democrat of the Democratic Party, yeah. and Obama to kind of really deliver anything and do anything after the after the after the you know the economic collapse and really just to, you know, what Obama did was bailed out the bankers and did little else, you know. Uh, and so, because I know that a lot of people, a lot of those people were Obama supporters, essentially, and then in the next election cycle, they were suddenly socialist, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. That, but, that's basically, you know, yeah. That, that project seems to be done, right? I mean, I don't know. What do you, th- I mean, I get the sense with the with the implosion of the, the Bernie campaign and then, uh, you know, I, I mean, there, there, is, there does seem to be this strange kind of, at this point, still semi-coherent political realignment. And those people... I mean that project seems to be uh, exhausted to me. I mean I don't know. Yeah. I'm not- no, I mean I think I think it, I think yeah. It's funny. I mean I do. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean I think it's it's in a period of of disorganization. You know, um, with Bernie basically you know ducking out of the fight and sort of just disappearing. You know, um, disappearing and vanishing almost. You know, uh, right before right before COVID. I mean basically it was March, right? Um, right, like the yeah. last that last debate was in March, and then you know, and then COVID hit, and then sort of these disorganized things, and then and then there was no. So there was there was a lot of yeah, kind of people went in different directions. You know, some but people remember it's funny, right? I think right before COVID hit, we by accident uh, went to Chapo's live show in LA. Yeah, and that was when they were still kind of like super into the fact it was, that it was like a Bernie, win. it was a Bernie, a part of the Bernie campaign basically. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so I guess it felt like they were riding that wave. And then once Bernie just was out, they completely folded. Right. Well, Chapel. 
Yeah. What? But Chapo is no Chapo is no no no. But they were all about no. They were women. Yeah, Chapo was part of the, essentially of the of the political campaign. I mean, they were like that's what I'm saying. But once it ended, they all they just reverted back to being rich and influencers. That's all. Yeah, just being well, people. They were just sort of like funny and you know commenting on on kind of. Uh, yeah, you know, current events and kind of mocking it. Yeah, well, yeah. right. Like it seems to like you know. I mean, some of them seem to have like drifted into this kind of post left, soft right. Like yes. Yeah. Wait, what is post left? I've heard it a few times. What the hell is post left? <laughs> What's the, yeah. It's like the you know these these kind of like you know these you know disillusion. I mean, I don't know. This is these these, these people like uh, Jeffrey Sh- Jeff Schulenberger, like these are disillusioned leftist and what were what was the the bit the final straw for them uh you know the the the, the, the covid you know yes. they saw sort of this extreme uh covidianism and this sort of embrace of, of technocracy and biosurveillance so now that the, uh, there are all these people who are i mean i don't know they're they're flirting with the right it's it's a kind of it's again it's incoherent because some of these people I now mean, was interested initially with what was going on i mean see these people on twitter like the schulenberger character you know he was reading people like ivan illich you know and i'm really interested in in ivan illich and it's sort of He's sort of a prophet of, of, of degrowth and alternative mm-hmm. hedonism from the from the you know sixties seventies eighties, but you know it was like so it's selective. So they yeah, I want to talk to you about that actually. Yeah, mm-hmm. to, to critique you know the, the what they call the medical industrial complex, but. But then, but then you know, everyone suddenly discovered the term scientism, you know, for COVID, right? But then, but then they never really like they never really extended it to any other category of the economy over of our culture. Yeah, this guy, it's like it's like it's like what? It's like you know, he loves. He's going on about you know um, technocracy and the medical industrial complex. But then he's like, oh, but 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 degrowth is just you know another name for neoliberal austerity, and he's a big proponent of. Nuclear power, right? Nuclear power, right? And I mean, this is, <laughs> this you know, is the, yeah, it's perfect. I don't want to get too into it, but you know, the one thing about nuclear power in relationship to this this critique of te- technocracy is that, I mean, there's a political critique of nuclear power, you know, separate from, although, you know, maybe overlapping with with some of the other critiques, which is that, you know, if you have if you have nuclear power necessarily requires layers and layers of, of bureaucracy, right? It's the it's, most yeah. technocratic and the most, yeah. it's yeah. the most technocratic yeah. and the most scientific, like, sci- yeah. you know, if you want to create to dig scientism, it's the most scientistic, you know, energy source on the yeah. planet, basically. Because you need... And even like, I like, like people like Langdon Winner, who's another one of these sort of, you know, uh, you know, kind of alternative technology people from the 70s sort of pointed this out, that complex technological systems have political imperatives embedded in them, right? And so, yes. like, you know, um, a nuclear power, I mean, necessarily requires a top-down authoritarian form of, of, you know, technocratic managerialism, right? So it's just, it's odd. Like, you have these people now, you know, like Schulenberg and, Schulenberg and others who, you know, they want to they go on about, like, you know, uh, Anthony Fauci and yes. you know this sort of medical bureaucracy and 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 the threat the the threat of scientism to to you know substantive democracy but then on the other hand they want they you know nuclear power because you know the working class needs 
I don't know. You know, that was another thing that I I actually had the same exact uh, thoughts and observations when when COVID hit. I was like, oh, this is kind of interesting because you know I'm, I don't necessarily agree with all the people who are saying that we shouldn't have any kind of COVID you know controls or shouldn't try to do anything about it, and every, everything is basically a pharma a pharma plot and a pharma conspiracy to control you, you know, and like chip you or whatever. Uh, I don't agree with them, but I was I was I was interested in seeing how far these people will go because they certainly yeah they certainly discovering Ivan Illich uh, and they started you know throwing around terms like scientism and you know crit- yeah. criticizing like the scientific like you know structure of our society and how everything is you know and so i was thinking like will they will they go further like will they apply this stuff to any other uh, parts of the economy in our society and it's like no not at all like zero so it was only used in this very selective way to, to basically argue against any kind of covid restrictions right or any kind of covid attempt, it was, it was, attempt by society to to you know, address the pandemic, even however, you know, misguided it was or whatever, how, how in the end it turned out to be, a lot of those things turned out to be not that, uh, you know, like the, the vaccines, although I don't know if they, 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 maybe they, maybe they do work in reducing, um, in reducing, you know, uh, uh, mortality and even if people do get infected uh, you know but like everyone's my whole family my brother's whole family just got infected with COVID you know even though everyone's you know everyone's um, vaxxed and boosted to the maximum you know and um and all this stuff, but so they they, they they were very yeah they were very limited in the way that you kind of you, you apply these critiques and so yeah it's 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 it but it's part of the uh, part of what you're saying it's like a lot of the, some of the some of the people who are on the left who would you think would be sort of you know for a kind of a, a, a muscular you know um, government or kind of response to a, a health crisis right or health emergency like and then who would be def- who were you know for instance like defending China and mm-hmm. you know and anytime someone critique China about anything that China does they'd like call them you know um, xenophobic and and uh, you know and whatever and, and, and cold war and cold warriors and stuff yeah sorry go ahead these tank I mean you know you need that there's this kind of like tanky element that you know that you know, that's it, sort of transmogrified in an interesting way. I don't want to name names, but they go, people, so, you know, the people associated with the CPSU, CPUSA or like, you know, they combine like this strange sort of China, uh, you know, Sinophilia with, um, <laughs> you know, with, uh, they, they also support the Democratic Party because I think that's the China, that's the official um, CCP line. Um and but you know wait, those, wait, wait, wait. those people are really extreme. I mean, you know, we should still you know they're still arguing for zero COVID policies and yeah um, endless lockdowns and you know what's wrong with just living life mediated through screens. I mean, it's possible to acknowledge that you know COVID was was a real thing and it required some measures, but there's no there's there's never any sense that this is not simply a a technical problem. Yeah. Right. I mean, I mean, you know, when you're talking about actually shutting down, you know, shutting down society, that's an exaggeration, but really sort of curtailing basic human interactions for a very extended period of time, including the human interactions of people who are still developing like children in schools. I mean, you have to talk about ends. Right. I mean, there's no there's no there's no there's no technical solution to that. Well, you, you, know, you can't. You, you're not going to be able to control. You know, you're not. You're not going to be able to control all diseases and I'll stop all death and things like that. And, and, and there are yeah. some things that are worse than death, right? I mean, you know, the, the, it's like you have, you have to. What is you know yeah. what is what is a good life? I mean, you know, to yeah. me, sitting sitting like living my life like sequestered <laughs> in a room, like where all my interactions are 
are mediated through a screen. That that is not a good life, and that's a living death. And I, you know, maybe death yeah. be preferable to that. And then, of course, you know, I mean, of course, that that life requires an entire layer of people to work. You know, the working class that a lot of these yeah. people claim to you know champion who's delivering their food and they're working on the supply chains and deliver you know and so it's you know i mean i think that there's a valid critique of uh, yeah Yeah. maximalism but you know uh, with some of these people you get the sense like yeah they were annoyed by you know that the mask scolds and they got into illich and other people selectively agamben yeah. Oh, even. But then, you know, I mean, you know, but they're still talking about, you know, oh, nuclear well. power. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. and it's now led to this this thing. So I guess the baleful influence of of, of some overreach, you know, where they're like, well, you know, I, they think that the experts were wrong about about COVID. So the experts must also be wrong about, you know, global warming, and the ecological crisis. That's just another, I mean, you, if you follow some of these people, that's just another scam. They just want, they, they want to take more of our freedoms. Away. So, I mean, there is a sort of way in which this yeah. overlap with the right. I mean, that's like yeah. a, a standard right wing. Well, yeah, I mean, I think, I think in, in terms Wasn't, of- I'll just, before ahead, yeah. I forget, I No, we'll, like, we'll let you well, get a word in. You know, we, 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 we value, you know, no, female voices here as well. No, I'm just curious from what I read, I think statistically it sounded insane. I can't remember exactly, but like during this, like the lockdown and all the whole COVID regulations, um, suicides went up like crazy. Yeah. Partially to what you, Anthony, saying about like, is it even, yeah. <laughs> are there things worse than death i mean it's like you basically self-inflict death because your life becomes like death i guess if you're yeah. like stuck like this so I, I i'm not even sure like who exactly i guess they were helping themselves by being rich and isolated like who is exactly well, like, yeah. was it helping like everything well i mean like like first of all there's a panic so i i kind of I'm, I'm a little i don't know i'm a little bit more forgiving about the initial covid response because there was it was there was a panic you know no one really knew knew what the hell to do no, and no, so i think the initial response was i don't have an issue with i mean there were yeah. a lot of missteps and mistakes but it was it was perfectly understandable like in in you know yeah that first six months to a year i think like once they introduced the, these, the vaccines, and even though the vaccines don't prevent transmission, I mean, they do seem to, yeah. you know, I mean, I mean, I mean, they they, they render the illness uh, largely innocuous, right? I mean, and uh, you know, it's but th- this these same people were still sort of pushing for this this lifestyle. I mean, I, yeah, you know, I don't. So I mean, it, it seems like they like the lifestyle. I mean, you know, a lot of us people like to work from home. Um, they don't want to commute, which is fine. I mean, I wish it, I wish it had actually moved to a different conversation, right? Like, well, why, why do we commute, you know, a conversation about, you know, how can we sort of organize, you know, our everyday life, um, in such a way. I mean, because I think, I mean, COVID was a, was more of like a lens, right. That revealed sort of like pre-existing rot, you know, rot that's still there. I mean, it revealed like the terrible state of health of large, swaths of the American population, right? Like, I mean, you know, people who can't yeah. afford to doctor, who can't afford to go to doctors and then, you know, I mean, they, then it turns out they had these, these, these comorbidities that they didn't know about, right? Um, you know, obesity, yeah, no, exactly, yeah. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But, uh, you know, for, for this sort of particular, this very vocal kind of set of, of COVID extremists. It never actually, they never moved to that position. And then the, on the opposite side, it's the people who are sort of arguing against any kind of COVID controls and trying to say that, you know, um, 
COVID is essentially this was, you know, I mean, there's a whole range of, of different opinions, but generally that COVID is, was either, you know, itself a plot, you know, to control us or was, is being used as a way to, you know, prison us, to control us, to, to inject us with this horrible, all these, these sort of experimental of drugs and to impl- implement some kind of new world order that the um, World Economic <laughs> Forum, no, but listen, listen, and so, and so they're, you know, and then they're, they're the ones who suddenly became kind of anti-technology, right? So, uh, like, because of COVID and yet I was waiting you know when that was happening because I was waiting for them to kind of to for that for that sentiment to sort of or that critique to bleed over into other parts of our society like for instance critiquing I don't know like industrial agriculture and deforestation and the fact that you know you know one of the possible reasons why this uh, virus exists in the first place is because of a kind of the you know the an expansion of 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 human activity right and and farming uh into 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 kind of into into these isolated in natural spaces that wouldn't would normally uh protect protect people and kind of keep those things in a a firewalled you know and 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 localized right and won't allow these kind of pathogens to interact with us or or with livestock and with animals so there was never any kind of bigger critique of anything it was just about it was all these point it was always this anti-scientism you know was was just deployed in a, in the most narrow possible way, and and you know, and and the funny thing is, is that like Biden is, has essentially you know ended any kind of under Biden. Now there is no there are no controls anymore. There's the COVID is over essentially, right? So and so like it's, and then everyone's almost like has come back. I mean, some people have been radicalized by this and, and become yeah kind of more right wing, and yeah, like you were saying, uh, like completely not trusting the experts in everything. So like COVID persists in like, I mean, where does it persist? It persists for the most part in these sort of elite institutions. So, you know, um, in, yes. in elite private schools, I mean, some museums, I mean, it is hilarious, it's, right? And that sort of plays, I mean. And in, in theater and in, theater, like, did you just go to, so, did you just go to just a symphony and you have to mask yeah, up, the, right? And the Philharmonia mask up. Yeah. <laughs> in that sense, it really, in, it really is at this, at that, you know, in those contexts, it's just a sort of a signifier of a particular kind of it's culture it's become a kind of cultural capital the mass and and that plays into some of the, <laughs> the post the post left critique which is which is overall you know bad i mean you know they they mistake anti-scientism for anti-science i mean you know i mean science of course should inform public policy and politics in general it shouldn't dictate yeah. it but, but there's a there's a distinction between science and scientism with these people but i don't know I, it's, it seems to me like it's very self-serving it's just you know it's like yeah. crude individualism i mean yeah the, but it's but the bernie and COVID, the collapse of the of, of bernie's movement and then and then COVID really did fracture the left into this sort of like a more yeah almost like a hardening of sort of leftist left-wing positions kind of almost going to the kind of the the, the, the chinese sort of uh response right with like zero zero COVID forever um, and then, on the other hand, um, and almost like an embrace of, of 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 technocracy, you know, over 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 humanity. I don't know. And, to, and then on the other hand, you have the kind of people going to moving to the right into the sort of post left space where you're suddenly, um, you know, uh, seeing any kind of uh, public control or public health measures as 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 some kind of plot by by bureaucrats to control us. Right and and then you know, and, do you yeah, know yeah. This, did you do do you know this guy Ben Bratton? By the oh, way, it sounds familiar. I yeah. yeah I, he's like this. He's like this media theorist out in I don't know. He's maybe he's in UC San Diego. I might I might be getting the school wrong, but he's essentially like this futurist, right? And he uh-huh. wrote 
now I can't, now I can't even, it, it kind of like came and went. I can't remember like one of these like verso texts where it's, it's almost as if, I mean, he, I guess he claims to be on the left, but it's, it's almost as if this, this guy wanted to really, you know, he really wanted to fulfill the worst nightmares of these COVID skeptics. He's like, oh, this is just an opportunity for, you know, COVID is a great opportunity for developing, you know, algorithmic, like world <laughs> governance, you know, and then, you know, like a- AI and, you know, we, we need to, we need to completely dispense with any sort of concerns about, about rights. And, you know, he was, you know, just, you know, polemicizing. That's crazy. Wow. Illich and Agamben and calling them, you know, the standard primitivists. And it's almost like the guy was like, it's like, he's like this wannabe Mustafa Mond from uh, yeah. Brave New World. And sort of like, I mean, there's this like component on the left that, that I mean, I don't know. It's that embraces, like, embraces the, the, the full on, yeah. Um, yeah. The sort of algorithmic techno future. The only yeah. thing that happened, I mean, you maybe remember in the, I guess what, the, the mid teens right was this whole accelerationism trend right which i mean accelerationism as such seems to have gone away but i mean you know it's it's sort of that that tendency um you know persists like these these people are talking about you know we need we need to sort of push i mean there's accelerationism in the leninist sense like you know heighten the contradiction so that the current order will fall but i mean these people were like <laughs> these le- ostensibly left acolytes of this guy nick land and that you know who, who thinks that you know the skynet from terminator is a is a great <laughs> thing and you know i mean you know all this hasten the po- collapse basically yeah 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 collapse, but like this but also just this kind of like almost very hokey futurism like oh we need to you know, I mean, there's very little. It's just kind of like Ray Kurzweil with some marks. Yeah. Oh, you know, we're going to mine asteroids, like, you know, fully automated luxury communism, this kind of thing, like <laughs> nuclear powered spaceships. And, you know, and they were going back to some of these, you know, sort of the, these fringe avant garde movements like cosmism, et cetera. It's like, this is the legacy of the left that we need to revive. I, 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 I think that this is a sort of a tendency that, that persists like Prometheanism, no limits, and you know, and, and if you, you question what, that, what's that the term that you use, Prometheanism? What do you what do you mean exactly by that term? So I mean, you know, pr- Prometheanism. I mean, I, you know, usually refers to this this idea that you know y- human beings are you know because of our our rationality and and our you know our our capacity to construct a second nature you know by altering our environment and through technology you know have no limits you know, we we can make you know we can completely transform the earth and and and, and nature i mean it sort of presumes that we are separate from nature so that sort of you know the old Cartesian mind-body dualism is embedded in there. Um, can be sort of transformed um, in the image of the human. I mean, there's a kind of there's there's something odd about it because they, they I mean you know you listen to some of these people and they talk they they say that they're human supremacists. But I mean, there's also <laughs> a kind of loathing of of the human as a creature. They want to sort of transcend the body. They want to make they want to make you know um, themselves into. It's the fantasy of of godhood, and it goes back to yeah you know, the myth of the myth of Prometheus who stole fire from the gods. And, you know, I mean, you know, I, I wrote a little bit about that because I mean, you know, there, there are always two, you know, there are two valences to that myth and Prometheanism since the enlightenment. I mean, one is, is political, like, you know, throwing off uh, this, you know, the impediments of unjust authority, 
you know, Prometheus rebelling against Zeus and just these ancient prohibitions. So sort of qualitative Prometheanism, like political or social or ethical progress, even though I don't like that word. But And then there's this other valence, which is, oh, you know, the technological trend technological transformation of nature, this, this drive to mastery. And I yeah. think, it, you know, on the left, and you find this in, in Marx, I mean, despite, you know, people like John Bellamy Foster, it's like those two are often tangled together, right? I mean, if you're going to achieve, you know, political and social emancipation, I mean, that, you know, that requires this, this project of, of total technological mastery. I mean, to, to some extent, you know, you need to secure a, a baseline of, of subsistence, basic goods. I mean, I'm not a primitivist, but <laughs> these people want, you know, I mean, it's just this kind of fantasy, like the liberating the forces of production. And, and I mean, you know, they, they seem to acknowledge no limitation. I mean, like basic yeah. biophysical. Right. And to me, it's, it's, it's a religious vision. You know, it's just kind of a Gnostic vision, mm-hmm. uh, like a Christian heresy, I think. Um, <laughs> but do you see like because you seem to be well read and uh, in this like a, kind of environmentalist um i guess view of the world what's the solution like is there do you believe in actually a political solution to any of this by political i mean some sort of organized thing people get together and decide all of a sudden not to do this and somehow their let's say party prevails and wins which i completely not i I just don't believe this this is possible so i don't know what do you what do you think i think there's i mean i i mean in terms of environmentalism you know i mean there are all kinds of of environmentalism right i mean that sort of mainstream environmentalism and, you know, it's is very much a, just a, a version of, I mean, and these radical environmentalists were sort of making these criticism in the seven, in the 70s, they called it, it's just resourcism, you know, it's, and you get, you get, I mean, there are these people who think, oh, the solution is, is entirely with, you know, um, you know, uh, renewable tech and mm-hmm. you know, nuclear power and that kind of thing. Like, you know, n- nature is a stand, the natural world is a standing reserve that we have to manage. Um, yeah. So, and then, and then there are more radical versions of, of environmentalism and you know it's you know from you know i think uh, i think more substantive eco-socialism to you know primitivism which you know some of that stuff is is interesting in a kind of aesthetic or romantic way but i'm not um, yeah. necessarily think it's a, a project I, I could get behind political solution i don't know i mean used to think there was a political you know solution some kind of you know socialist project but increasingly i I don't know. I'm kind of despairing. Yeah, uh, us too. I, I mean, I yeah. kind of think there might be a, a some kind of slow motion collapse. I don't think it's going to be dramatic and cinematic. You know, I, I wonder because maybe for you it's a bit different because you're not... Um I mean, you're at least not a Russian, but since whatever, God, yeah. <laughs> no, but since the war, you know, uh, there's the war that Russia started, it's been going now for almost mm-hmm. six months. And uh, I got into this uh, state of mind, which uh, actually it's, I don't know, you can have it even pre-war, but now it's somehow more acute, you know, the call, the nuclear kind of exchange or whatever, it yeah. seems a bit more... <laughs> I don't know, realistic than than I ever thought. And uh, that reminds me that I guess back in the 1950s and 60s, like in the height of the Cold War, that was the general dominant uh, kind of feeling um, or the fear, I guess, fear in the United States to, and they would write, they would teach 
that to kids, what to do in the case of <laughs> some nuclear war, which is, I don't know, ridiculous. I don't know. What can you do? Hide under a desk. Yeah, hide under the desk. But anyways, the, the whole, the, 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 nu- the nuclear thing, for, at least for me, because of the war, I, I guess I'm not alone, seems at least more real. And uh, when you talk about the slow, kind of slow collapse, I don't I don't know. I'm started to think. I don't know. What if it's not as slow? What if it's actually nothing can be changed unless there's like a dramatic thing of that kind? I don't know. Obviously, um, not everyone will gonna die, and there will be some version of um, apocalyptic future that um, someone like Philip K. Dick, let's say, did write about, and uh, and that will at least put sort of an end to certain technological utopianism, like the, what you say, Prometheanism of some kind, just by you know <laughs> or it'll create some kind of like more you know warlord you know society where they're more of a Mad Max kind of future or you with, know, the, with or, the technological or it'll just what will remain are like some little portions of the states that were at war and you know the military uh-huh. will still control things and all this stuff you know it's like oh so you, you mean they won't let I go mean, I mean I don't think I don't think a, 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 an egalitarian I didn't kind say like, egalitarian, yeah, like, just op- like not technological. So, oh, socialist or whatever. Oh, oh, I see. Because you think all technology might be destroyed. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. I'm not like idealistic like that. I'm not talking that something egalitarian and like kind and romantic will emerge from a so, nuclear war. <laughs> no, it's just that the, 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 techno- the, the <laughs> chunk of technological <laughs> kind of progress will be dead. Whatever technology is going to be destroyed, and uh, and there people will have other problems that, rather than rebuilding internet or something. Like people, there will be other issues. But I mean, yeah. Uh, I don't know. What do you think, Anthony? I do think the nuclear, you know, nuclear catastrophe or, mm-hmm. or Holocaust nuclear war is, is much more uh, on the table. I mean, you know, I haven't thought about it yeah. you know, in, in a long t- time. But yeah, I mean, I don't, I mean, it's sort of interesting though. You're, I mean, I don't, you know, th- that's why I'm so fascinated by some of those sort of 70s science fiction movies, um, mm-hmm. like Logan Brown or Zardoz, because I mean, it is, they're post, they're post-apocalyptic apocalyptic but it's exactly i mean there are these these sort of technological enclaves where you have like very sort of high technology and then outside of the enclaves it's just sort of a, a wasteland and it's right. sort of suggested in the zardoz movie actually because it has this sort of you know this malthusian nightmare element that the the sort of wondrous technology of of this these these immortal uh, this immortal ruling class is very much, very much comes out of something like extraction, exploitation, actually sort of, sort of genocidal management of what's left of humanity outside, outside the gates. Um, but I mean, in a way that's, I mean, yeah. I don't know. I think that's a, a just a very, even in the, the, the sort of slow collapse scenario, I think, think i mean that's just a dramatic version of what we'll see right i mean mm-hmm. i don't i don't think i mean you know we'll you, you'll see that you know that these these like silicon valley i mean they'll develop like these very sort of exotic and sophisticated high technologies right but those aren't technologies that could actually be generalized it's like to everybody in fact those technologies are predicated on you know, resource extraction, energy extraction, uneven, um, yeah. uneven ecological exchange. I mean, and I think, I mean, this is something that the, you know, I mean, this very much sort of cuts against the grain of, of uh, you know, Marxist orthodoxy, right? This idea is like, oh, well, there are these, these forces of production, which they, uh, you know, uh, equate with, 
you know, I mean, you know, technological power that just need to be liberated, you know, from, you know, through another sort of social organization, as opposed to like, well, perhaps a, a lot of forms of high technology are actually, they, they require immiseration and primitive conditions because, you know, they require, you know, scarce resources, um, finite resources. So, I mean, you can, you know, so you, ha- you have, you know, high tech, um, immortals and but the, the the high tech life of the immortals the immortality of the immortals is actually requires yeah requires you know, the, the, the yeah. poverty and you know this nasty brutish and short life on the part of the, the brutal majority outside the gates and, and historically in the global south i mean there's this guy hornborg um who's actually i guess uh Andreas Malm, sort of this big echo Marxist teacher who talks about this. Like we, we need to think about, you know, a lot of high technology in the West, you know, particularly in the 20th century, particularly after World War II is, is not, you know, not, it's not neutral. It's actually, it's a, it's a, it's a social relation itself. And yeah. it comes out of these, these relations of uneven ecological exchange between, between North and South. So, that doesn't mean, I, you know, in, if we were going to sort of magically try to imagine an alternative, more egalitarian order, that doesn't mean we have to give up, you know, all technology, right? I mean, you know, Illich talked about convivial technologies, right? I mean, you know, technologies that are sustainable, that are egalitarian. I mean, you know, the other thing that, you know, you get that I got when I started questioning a lot of these people about, this topic is like, oh, you're a primitivist. Yeah, you just want to live in a cave. Uh, you know what? You you know you're on a computer. Like, oh, how yeah. are your antibiotics, etc. It's just like it's just like it's you know it's cheap. It's it's a, it's an easy easy <laughs> yeah. rhetorical tr- strategy to discredit you know to like yeah. basically discredit people and to just stop the. Uh, stop conversations and you know what's what it's really annoying is that because so much of these conversations are happening online you know and like where which is like the place where you you essentially cannot even talk about these things because they're you know like because everything's bra- sort of uh, speaking of technologies and how and, and the way that they're built and they sort of they structure ex- people experiences and these are these places are built to I don't know like yeah. to foster conflict and to have like basically to troll you know mm-hmm. it's like all about trolling and and, and, um, and uh, trolling people and, and having flame wars you know that's what it's all about um, and so it's very hard to talk about this stuff online I think you know uh, just because you get piled on yeah it's very hard to get people to think critically about technological systems right I mean yes. I, it's just it's, it's odd it's just sort of like why you know this this guy that I mentioned uh, Langdon Winter wrote this book Autonomous Technology and he proposed this was in the 70s something called epistemological mm-hmm. Luddism it's just like I mean why can't we think first of all we have to sort of think about um you know, post-industrial and post-industrial technologies is sort of complex systems. I mean, you know, the simple analogy to like a tool, like a, a hammer is just, it's just, you know, it's obfuscation. I mean, you know, and we have to understand that the, there, there are certain, you know, uh, political choices and imperatives actually embedded in the architecture. I mean, the internet is the internet. It's like a perfect example, right? I mean, we've been, these platforms, I mean, it's shaped in such a way that it shapes us. I mean, I yeah. don't know. I mean, and I think you suggest that in your book, right? I mean, a lot of these functionalities were sort of built into the internet from the very beginning. Like as a yeah. there's a 
declensionist narrative, like, oh, the the internet had this utopian potential, but then no, it's, it was no. closed. No, and you know what? It, it really annoys me too because there's this um, there's this kind of a Jacobin kind of uh, off offshoot, I guess, that deals with specifically, um, or like it comes out of that whole kind of Jacobin verso world. It's called, I think it's called Logic Magazine. Um, oh, yeah, I've seen that. I've seen that. I mean, I haven't read, I've never read anything there. But. Yeah, and like the guy who who's one of the one, one of the founders, I mean, a lot of the people who, cre- you know, how, who, who, who created are pretty elite you know, like whatever kids that that have come out of the most elite institutions. You know, Harvard. I think is most a lot of the people who write for it or started it came out of Harvard. You know, and it's like and the thing it's and the the whole the the point that the um, you know they want to they want to nationalize the internet. You know, that like it's like it's the yeah, same thing. With I, it. We got to nationalize Walmart. We got to nationalize the internet. It's like well, the internet itself. You know, the more I like you, I you know, it's been some years now since I wrote my book, uh, and I'm even I, I become a lot more actually radical in terms of just my view of the internet, and I think it should just it shouldn't exist in the form that it exists in now. I mean, it should be torn. It should be torn down. You know, and built up from if if there is some kind of um, you know uh, technological sort of communication system uh, electronic communication system that uh, it should be built you know for some kind of purpose right rather than the purpose of surveillance and like sort of selling shit selling shit to people you know and, what and about getting, Craigslist uh, well yeah Craigslist except Craigslist Craigslist didn't exist, exist on its own you know but you know, <laughs> but you know but you know what I mean it's like the so so the idea that if you just nationalize something if it goes to the people it suddenly automatically makes you know, it, a good thing, but it's like, wait, but like, let's say, who are the people? It's no, no, exactly. Confusing. What, who, how, what are the structures controlling it, and what is it? What is it being used for? And also, what is the the you know the actual the how is it designed, and who is in control of the resources? Like, for instance, you know, the U.S. government, you know, the I don't know the 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 Pentagon, right, is a nationalized uh, entity. You know, it yeah. is it is it is a democratic entity. You know, so I don't see. Uh, and of course, the Pentagon uh, uh, created the internet. And so it's like, um, you know, well, just you know, because. I mean, yeah. The thing is, like, you know, with those guys early on, like, I, you know, I mean, I, it was very strange because, like, you know, when I when I first the way I I gotten, you know, the way I met those Jacobin people is that I was. You know, I was I was teaching at West Point, so I was te- You know, I was I was an employee of the Department of Defense. It was, <laughs> it was difficult for I mean, me. You know, yeah. I was having a hard time. You know, I was like, you know, I produced these sort of drunken screeds on the internet, and I think Connor Kilpatrick sort of discovered me. And but you know, it was just sort of strange because they're like, you know, the military, you know, proves that socialism could work. I mean, I would hear this a lot. It's like, I mean, in a way, it's a kind of socialism, I suppose, but it's not the socialism that you'd want. A and B, yeah, you're right. It's like with these complex nationalized en- entities, I mean, I mean, you know, just, bec- you know, the, there are bureaucracies that yeah. are empowered. So, I mean, and bureaucracies tend to, you know, they, they, they ult- you know, tend to have their own agenda. But I mean, I think, I mean, that's where this sort of. Also, who controls the bureaucracy? And if the population, if the, I mean, there's this fetish, fetishization in, in America about like sort of democracy, right? And then, and then you can couple that with a kind of social, social, social democracy or, or nationalization of, of sort of, of, you know, of industries or whatever, or um, there's this belief that, you know, it'll be magically transformed. But, you know, like, first of all, people have to be active. There has to be a very, very strong, I don't know, democratic, very, very strong culture that has like, you know, like some kind of idea about what it wants. And it's just people actually, you know, very strongly believe in it. There has to be a whole ethos there, yeah, you know. Yeah. 
and and a whole kind of I mean, which is completely alien to uh, America right now. I mean, it's it's complete. Everyone's completely detached from society. You know, everyone kind of does their own little thing and and d- divorced from politics completely, but also divorced from being active in any kind of uh, non individualistic activity. And, and of course, the internet and, and digital platforms have made this infinitely worse, right? Yes, Everybody's exactly. now in a sort of holographic world, and, and you know, by design. But you know, it's sort yeah. of interesting because I, you know, I, I sort of immersed myself like in the in the discourse around sort of what was then the emerging internet in, in these ostensibly countercultural circles, like in the late '60s and the '70s, like you know, like you know, people like Stuart Brand. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and the whole earth catalog. And it's, it's sort of, it's, 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 I mean, it's like, it's a sort of a com- complex story, right? Because I mean, you know, I mean, it's, it's, and it's also funny when I think about how people, you know, like people's people now in those sort of verso Jacobin social democratic circles, they throw this word hippie around, um, you know, like it's the worst curse word. And of course, hippies were primitivists, but of course that's ridiculous. They I weren't mean, really, yes. Counterculture yeah. was really variegated and there were different camps. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, Stuart Brand and the whole, I mean, he was like a techno utopian, right? Totally. <laughs> sort of like, you know, I mean, he, you know, and, you know, I mean, yeah. he saw, I mean, he, he was really, a, look, I mean, he was a total techno, like techno utopian and, and, and a, and a consumerist, you know, I mean, it's basically, yeah. it was like a consumer, you know, he was created a, like a consumerist magazine. For for sort of yeah. looked on the back to the land movement, right? Yes. So oh well, I mean you know from a very sort of simplistic perspective, right? Oh well, primitivists—they're living in communes. But no, I mean he saw that as a better form of social organization that could I they could ideally be organized through. I mean, what was then a really sort of nascent internet technology, like proto uh, proto internet, and you know part of it was you know there was this interesting sort of critique of modernist technology going on but one easy solution to that was like well you know the the industrial technology is centralized right so if we come up with a kind of a decentralized high technology that that would correspond to like the, the the call for a convivial convivial yeah, 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 yeah. kind of technology people like Illich were advocating. But I mean, if you go back, I mean, you know, the, the sort of neo luddites like Illich or Winner. I mean, they 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 saw that at the time. They're like, no, I mean, centralization versus de- that's too simplistic. Yeah, right. I mean, so there there was this other segment of of the counterculture is very sort of skeptical of that. It's sort of like the the national nationalized versus privatized debate in a way that's happening now, or like the hard line between, you know, everything that's privatized is bad and everything is nationalized is immediately good, right? Uh, yeah, that's interesting. That's a good point, actually. You know, in my book, actually, I'm pretty critical of Stuart Brand and and sort of that whole the the kind of the, the cyber hippie, right? Um, kind of the cybernetics in, in th- yeah. the, the part of the hippie movement that was sort of enthralled with technology and and the, and the possibilities of, of a cybernetic future. Um, and I do kind of talk you know, shit about the communes, but I, I I've been actually kind of I don't know I've slightly I, it's not like I, I I've changed my mind, but I, it's it's become a little bit more nuanced. I guess it's because I probably more in line with what you with how you view this stuff is is that um you know if we are going to change anything and if there is there ever going to be a movement that like convinces people to live differently and people do believe start to have some kind of different 
uh, values that like will I don't know separate us away from this just sort of mindless consumerist society. Um, you have to start somewhere, and well, and, and, and you, really, yeah. you know the people. You really have like, to start oh, somewhere. Yeah, I mean the gender relations were terrible, right? I mean, but yes. it's like, a, yeah. why wouldn't they be? Like, I mean, these yeah. were these baby boomers were people who grew up in the 1950s, yeah. and you know, I mean, yeah, they, you know, they're in these sort of communal situations, and what they immediately they resort back to, it's like. Oh, like well, the women in the communal situations are the ones who do all the domestic. Yeah, I, I mean, and, then, I and there's always the charismatic leader that takes over and yeah. and starts to you know you know wield more and more power and all this stuff, which is you know kind of I guess talk about decentralization. You know, I mean, you just basically create little little thiefdoms of you know little cults essentially organized around charismatic types. And but I mean, but but that doesn't mean that you know like sort of dropping out and tuning to you know dropping out and trying to create your own little version of society, even though you're only doing it trying to do it do it kind of on your own little turf in your own little in your own little world right you have to start somewhere you can't like you know there has to be a you know, i don't know this, this stuff doesn't just like go from an idea to you know a mass global movement or whatever right no i agree i mean i think i you know to go back to that earlier question about like oh my what do i think about in terms of political solutions i mean you know at this point i mean you know assuming a sort of slow crack up or fragmentation i mean I mean, it's, you know, islands or, you know, sort of these, these, these sort of eco communist islands experiments, many of which will fail. Um, so I, I, I do think that's one sort of small scale. Uh, yeah. Political. I mean, it, 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 it ha- these things have to happen because they have. You have to have some kind of. You have to. You have to. You know. I don't know. You have to have like. Uh, and, and new ideas have to emerge from somewhere. You know. Uh, and, and what if we all move to the Hudson and have a small commune there? Can ideas yeah. emerge there? Like, but you need I, money yeah, for that. Yeah, we need somebody to, like buy us land. <laughs> <laughs> well, can we finance it? <laughs> How much? Dude, no, know. seriously, is the land like what a million dollars? How, yeah. How much per acre over there? Uh, around here, it's like ridiculous because it's like all of this this finance, all of these like financiers have been buying up. You know, it's like a yeah. it's like become an economic colony of New York City. So because because uh, you moved out of New York and you live in the hut in the Hudson in, in Hudson right now, right? Yeah. I think, you know, the, the huts, you know, like the cat skills and the Adirondacks seem like they will be, um, you know, in the future, a kind of a, an, 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 like an, an ecologically desirable area, you know, as temperatures rise. I mean, you know, I mean, it's fairly wet. I mean, it's go- it heats up, but it's not going to heat up to the same extent as... It's um, it's pretty far north, right, you know. Right, right. Yeah. Wait, so you're eyeing the Catskills on the Hudson? Is well, it? No, I mean, I mean, Hudson is sort of like you know, it's right off the river, but I'm near, I'm near the Catskills, right? And I think, I think that's going to be a site of, you know, I mean, I think these places like, like the Catskills and Adirondacks, right. places like Maine, will probably attract climate. Right? I mean, you know, I mean, this is okay. Should buy now. Yeah, we got to buy now. <laughs> we, yeah. We're just thinking practically. <laughs> Oh, I'm just curious because, um, again, you seem to be like um, you were first with them and then against them, the kind of the, the Jacobin people and just whatever did the Jutsanian left. I wonder what's their stance on, because I'm kind of coming from that to some degree, even if I never lived really in a communal apartment. But like, you know, the Soviet structure overall, no matter how like what a failure it was, you know, as a society, they did um, have this sort of... Um, 
you know, uh, socialized housing, everything, just kind of like the life was way more socialized. And sometimes when we read those lefties, it seems like that's what they propagate for, except with more goods, like yeah. better, I don't know, bigger better shoes yeah, and bigger like the bigger apartments. Yeah. But it's it really seems that um, actually if you slightly like uh, pick on them or dig slightly deeper, they actually not. Soviet Marxists, they're just like normal social democrats oh, yeah. and whatnot. Because but like, what's their take basically on the Soviet? I mean, you know, do you remember they had a they 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 published an issue in in uh, 2017 that was like a, supposed to commemorate the uh, the Russian Revolution and yes, uh, I remember. Oscar Sankara was the editor who wrote something that drove a lot of more sort of traditional like Marxist Leninist no I remember very well he was shitting on October Revolution and was only embracing February Revolution and I was surprised (laughs) because he's like his Jacobin Uh, editor they're social democrats who like with uh, like hammer and sickle avatars I mean mean, which means nothing and also like the Trotskyism I think is they're Trotsky because they kind of come out of the Trot yeah yeah well, a kind of like it's like or or Bernstein, like this the sort of. I mean, you know, uh, they're they're also like acolytes of um, Her- Harrington or what's his name? Harrington, Harrington. Yeah. Uh, how the other half? So I I don't know. I mean, I I just I don't really. I think at, at the end of the day, like the idea of a violent revolution, like Bolshevism, probably scared petty bourgeois suburbanites um, it really scares them no it's 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 fucking frightening i mean millions of people died in that in that revolution i mean and, and, and the civil war that preceded it you know that kind of basically created the grounds for it because it wasn't like the revolution came out of nowhere i mean there was there was a very destabilized what society mean, civil war then the went civil, after yeah no the civil war i mean i mean this for world war one and then and then you know the, the sort of the revolution and then the civil war you know all those things i mean the millions of people died in that you gotta embrace death i mean basically it's like this let me finish if you're an actual revolutionary, you can't be squeamish about death, you know, because it's like well, because when, other, well, you know that that's hilarious though too, because then you have these other like these 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 kind of like online like LARPing like Marxist Leninists like tanky types who are all about you know don't go out you're killing you're killing grandpas like what I mean aren't you- <laughs> <laughs> grandpa needs to die for the new order to be born. But yeah. the, thing, the thing about it is that, like, I, I don't, I mean, you know, a lot of, a lot of the Russian Revolution is very much tied to World War One and industrial, right. like this industrial warfare. And the whole period between, like, like let's say 1914 to 1945, I mean, you know, this was a period of this mass industrial warfare. And, and then there was mass demobilization where people were, like, you know, you had these soldiers who had gone through World War One who didn't completely disarm, right? I mean, that was the case on the left in places like Russia. It was also the case on the right, like in places like Germany, right? Like Freikorps and all of that. And I don't know. It's just like we're in a completely different. No, yes. Yeah. I just, yeah, that's pretty funny. Now. I don't, I don't, I mean, this is a somewhat, you know, tam- yeah. you know, off topic, I guess. But sort of, I mean, I, I just think these people, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, they're invested in sort of electoral strategies. They have a social mm-hmm. democratic vision. They're. They're technophiles and technocrats, but they like, you know, yeah. they, they like to sort of conjure the memory of, of you know, the, the Russian Revolution the right. USSR, because it's edgy and, and sexy. But the branding strategy. Yeah, but for Bhaskar, it's ridiculous because he sounded like a total Russian liberal, um, you know, yeah. in, that, in that piece. They always like praise February Revolution and then... 
The bourgeois revolution. Yeah. Bourgeois revolution. After that, everything is a bloodbath for them. Only, only bad. That's the way. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that's a very Russian liberal take. But um, overall, like the Basque thing, it's ridiculous because what we found out is that right before creating Jacobin, he was actually considering going to MBA. So that was like almost what like a choice for him. What the <laughs> hell? What kind of person is this? Socialism so what, or uh, business? Business um, school administration. <laughs> yeah. you know, he's, he's like a hustler, right? He actually. No, no, so like, what do you expect? Basically, I like don't expect much. Come on. No, yeah. I, you know, no. yeah, you know, I kind of because we've we've been we've been talking for an hour over an hour. I kind of want to you know finish on this because I mean you wrote this um, piece sort of uh, um, about a year ago, I guess now um, in. Um, um, you know, kind of re- reviewing some, some, some sort of kind of some sci-fi, I guess, some some recent kind of degrowth sci-fi, uh, but also just talking about the kind of the the cultural poverty in in in, in kind of the in, a kind of a critique of left environmentalism. I'm trying to find my words here. Paul and, Kinsworth, right? Yeah, Kinsworth, yeah. exactly. You, you read He's some of his works, and but and what was interesting, I kind of liked about what you're talking about is, you know, like a lot of the sort of left environmentalism. I mean, it basically lacks any sense of, I don't know, it's all about solutions, essentially, right? It's all, it's a sort of solutionism, and it lacks any kind of, I don't know, like, wonder for the natural world, or, uh, you know, any kind of awe, I guess, you know, or, or uh, and, and so I, I, I kind of wanted to talk about romanticism and the place that it, it would have in on some kind of, um, you know, in a movement to embrace in a new way of living, a new way of living amongst nature, you know, and amongst the world. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think, I think, first of all, romanticism, like, you know, particularly if you sort of go back to the historical, you know, first generation romantics, like people like Wordsworth, they get a bad rap, right? I mean, you know, I mean, Oh, it's reactionary. It's it's backward looking, and I don't I don't think that's the case. If you actually, you know, I think, you know, I mean, they they people like Blake and 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 Wordsworth, I mean, saw at the very beginning that um, industrialization leads to dehumanization, but industrialization was also, you know, they connected industrialization to. I mean, at, at that time, like the early modern scientific revolution, the enlightenment that separated human beings from the natural world, that saw the natural world as standing reserve as as just a set of resources to, to mm-hmm. be managed. Um, and I do think, I mean, I, I, you know, again, you, these are, these would, these are usually dismissed. These, these sentiments would be dismissed in most left-wing circles. But I mean, I do think it's important to have some reverence for the natural world. I mean, you know, that doesn't mean that there's, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not discounting sort of the distinction between between human beings and other creatures. But human beings are are centaurs, right? I mean, you know, we we have one foot in first nature. We are, you know, animals like ed- other animals who are born, who are fragile, who are finite, who die, and who are sort of subject to to those ultimate limits. At the same time, we exist in a kind of world of, of, of symbols, and we can manipulate nature to to a certain extent. Oftentimes, due to to those that symbolic capacity, a, a second nature. And I think, you know, I mean, you know, we have to, you know, I think we need to have a better sense of um, bridging those those two dimensions of, of human being. And I, I think. I mean, one of the things that's sort of important in building a sort of an, an ecological society was it would be developing some sort of reverence 
for, for mm-hmm. the natural. I mean, it's it's sort of amazing. You know, it's sort of amazing. These people, a lot of them actually hate. They hate nature, right? I mean, you know, there's that, there's that awe. I mean, I, this is a long ago book. What, what do you mean? In what way? I mean, I, like, I, I, you know, they, uh, you know, I mean, you know, I, I would get into it with this uh, Phillips character. I mean, he seemed to really think nature was grotesque. You know, it'd be like, it's, like, it's almost, it's strange, right? It's sort of, and sometimes it reminded me of social Darwin. It's like, well, you know, life will survive. You know, it's like, you know, even if, even if the temperature, you know, if we, we break like seven degrees Celsius or something like all, you know, the, the, the biosphere as we've known it, you know, might die. But, you know, there'll be like, you know, the bacteria, new jellyfish or something, you know, live yeah. on plastic will survive. And, you know, I mean, the earth <laughs> was much hotter when the dinosaurs were around. It's sort of like, wait a second. I what? You know, it's sort of like that kind of thing where I remember Phrase, and I mean, this is another thing in that, that book, Four Futures, he's talking about the um, the disappearance of bees, right? And he's just like, well, you know, we don't want to get too attached. Like you can get can, little drones can, or something that can- build uh, robo-bees yeah. or, you know, he talks about animals. There's one point, it's like, oh, they say that, you know, animals, we have these relationships with animals and a- animals are- you know, but you know, we, you know, animals, animals are good care, you know, good companions. It's like, but we could replace them with, with robots. There's no sense <laughs> of like, well, they're, they're non-human forms of animal life. Yeah. I can't believe he's serious about this. Remember, it's like, do androids dream of electric ship? It's literally that world. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, and it's, disto- it's like, it usually when it's this sort of sentiment is depicted, right? It's like, there, it's like villain, it's like Frankenstein. Right? It's like from Frankenstein right. onward, it becomes a sort of trope in, you know, dystopian science yeah. fiction, right? But these people, I mean, you know, I, sometimes I feel like in this hokey way, they, 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 they really, you know, they sort of embrace that role. But, you know, I think it's, it's sort of amazing. And I, but I do think, you know, I mean, in order to, to create a, 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 an ecological society and even an eco-social society, I mean, there has to be some sense of, of reverence and awe, you know, for the biosphere of which we are part. And that, that biosphere, yes, it had, it, it, it developed. <laughs> it's like, it's not eternal, right? I mean, you know, yeah. it had a beginning and that biosphere w- w- will change. But I mean, you know, the Holocene, you know, the sort of geological epoch under which, you, you know, under which human beings have flourished, relatively young, and we've already altered it, you know, and we're seeing these mass extinctions. And I mean, I don't know, don't the, the, those creatures have, I mean, don't they have any standing? I mean, you know, I mean, insofar as human beings are different, I mean, you know, we, we could take, we could recognize our, our complicity, I mean, if you and if you want to talk about like yeah, if you want to talk about fascism, right, in a way, or like some kind of, it's almost like gen- it's almost like a sort of German vari- variant of fascism, but taken to the next level, and like you know, speciesism. and speciesism, right? Essentially, speciesism. where you just think that you just replace you know the Jews or whatever and the Slavs with the entire um, natural world, you know, the entire biosphere, <laughs> and yeah, you make you know. And you make Germans into the entire human race and, you know, and sort of like the Aryans. And so we as humans require all the land, 
you know, all the resources and, and we will make a glorious, you know, but, and then all these other animals, there are all these other things out there are matter. just meant to just serve us and are actually aren't even that important and destructive. In fact, yeah. It's funny yeah. though, because it's, it's this human supremacism, but you, 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 there's also a sense in which they love to, to throw the word misanthrope around. Oh, environmentalists and misanthropes. But I mean, there's also a kind of misanthropy or, you know, a self, a kind of a, a self-loathing embedded in, in their project, right? Because what they really despise about hum, human beings, right, or the fact that human beings are finite and fragile. And, you know, I mean, they say they're human supremacists, but what they want most of all is to merge with machines. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. Like, I don't know. I mean, you know, human supremacists who hate you know, the fact that human beings are, are animals. Yeah. And I, mean, I guess, I guess it's, I guess it's the idea is that humans are, uh, humans are, you know, like they want to f- merge with our godlike n- nature, right? Yeah. Which is, yeah. It's a religious impulse. It's like this, it's like yeah. this, cur- it's like this strange, I mean, pr- you call it Promethean, agnosticism, you know, I think, you know, the sort of Christian heresy of oh, the material world is, is evil. Yeah, it's, it's, it's sin it's the flesh is sinful and all this stuff yeah yeah and gnosis will set us free like the secret knowledge and the, the gnosis now being <laughs> you know techno science and I, I don't know you know there's so much overlap with what you hear from peter thiel and, and musk and but you know but you never but they hate those people right because they're 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 capitalists but i, I don't know but transience and finitude is very very difficult for them to get uh, they they really have a problem with that. That things you know that things come into being, and then they they you know and that yeah there is some being towards death. You know I mean these people would hear this was like oh he's he's referencing Heidegger that Nazi. But, you know I mean you know they they can't deal with that right. They they, they I mean there's this fundamental sort of fear of death, of, bo- of yeah. our embodiment, of our animality. Of our natality, the fact that we're born, we're thrown into the world, and I think I, I don't know. I mean, the interesting thing about the Romantic tradition is it sort of, at its best, it grapples with this. I mean, it grapples with the the sort of centaur nature of human beings. Um, you know, I mean, and there's also a sense they cultivate wonder, like you know, I mean, that we are part of this particular sort of natural array, this particular biosphere, and that we should have some kind of reverence for that. But you know, I mean, these people. You know, I mean, in, on a really fundamental level, they share a lot of baseline assumptions with their with their putative enemies. You know, the capitalist you know, overlords. Yeah, it's this whole in, in the industrial religion. You know, in the belief in technology. Well, I guess if we could become some sort of cyborgs, like at least it would be feasible. But it doesn't yeah, seem that and way. I can't imagine just spending eternity like in just having Twitter fights with people. You know, it's just fucking what a nightmare, man. Can you just imagine? Yeah. You know, there's like a kind of like there's this other iteration of this, right? Like this kind of, you know, oh, I mean, I don't want to get into trouble here. So I don't know if I want to get into it. But yeah, like you know, I mean, you know, the, the xeno feminists and you know. You mean you mean uh, yeah, sort of the no limits on body on on sort of body. Um, yeah, you know we can be whatever you know, we again, yeah. Sort of like you know, I sometimes think like you know the sort of radical social constructionism is like oh well, human beings are just pure. Everything's just a social construct. It's a kind of it's another form of Prometheanism because everything's just a malleable social yes. construct. Then you know then we can reconstruct ourselves. So. I mean, again, I mean, it seems like these are very, in, in other ways, these are disparate political tendencies. But there is, it's, it's interesting that 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 kind of futurism is is emerging in, in these circles. They're very different from, 
you know, yeah. the kind of anti-woke kind of social democracy that, you know, the, the, the spiked, the, the spiked um, crowd. And, but so, yeah. and I think, you know, actually one of these post-leftists who I don't agree with a lot of what she says, but sort of interesting on this is this woman, Mary Harrington, who talks about cyborg theocracy. That's interesting. Yeah. No, I mean, it's interesting yeah, because a lot of the stuff about, you know, the sort of liberation of the body, I mean, uh, I mean, it all depends on very, very advanced technology to carry out. And so it's like all the stuff you couldn't really have this kind of, you know, these ideas without the t medical and technological progress. Right. Um, so they are very much dependent on the ability to actually surgically alter and chemically alter people's bodies and yeah. keep them that way. And yeah. But you know, maybe that's a conversation for some other time because that's a whole that's a whole other that's a whole other somewhat dangerous uh, dangerous topic to get yeah, into. Yeah, I, I try to avoid. I try to avoid uh, it, but, but we should we should we should I don't know one of these days should have you back on because uh, you're you're great. Uh, yeah, we can tell you, professor. Well, you know what we got to do is you know what we got to do is the next we got to plot you know where can we buy some land and where can we get the money to to buy the land. Uh, you know, and hopefully I don't know finally finish this thing that I've been working on forever oh yeah how the, are you gonna publish it the essay on, on your essay kind of your long essay on zardos yeah i well, I, I, have some, I have somebody i have a couple of people who are interested well yeah um, if you want me yeah let me know if you want me to read over it or whatever yeah yeah i mean you know i don't i'm still not sure if zardos is exactly a good or a bad movie but it's so bizarre i love that movie it's i mean it's a it's a it's its own i mean i like i like that movie <laughs> i mean it's it's kitschy yeah, it's, and, and uh, it like it just keys into certain things so i'm really just yeah. using it as a jumping off point but like you know we were talking about the communes before like you know i was reading like John Borman, like when he was like before the film went up, this was like the early seventies. Cause that movie I think came out, that movie came out in 1973. Mm -hmm. So he was up in Northern California looking at oh. these, these, um, these communes and, you know, he was initially enthused, but he says that he, he got turned off because he thinks like, Oh, this is the next generation of, of technocrats, Interesting. Right? which is really counterintuitive, right? So, yeah. And then like, if you look at the movie, you know, he's got those, the, the immortals, the idea is like that starts out as like a com as like a high tech commune. And then the commune itself in the movie was supposed to be a kind of the beginnings of this, this inter, this plan, this for interplanetary colonization that failed. So when you look at the, the, the sort of depiction of the immortal, the high tech immortals, he really kind of sees at least what, a significant segment of the baby boomers would become of yeah, the people because he's he's older he's older right he was he's pre-baby boomer pre-war generation I mean, he was, he? but he was you know i don't know how i guess he was born in the the th late 30s so yeah it's but you know he was part of you know he was he was he was part of all of that kind of yeah thing. you know you, you know and i think I don't know. So I, you know, I'm just sort of using it to sort of think That's about cool. that. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, maybe, you know, when you publish it, we should have you on to talk about it because I think it's yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, Let's do that. And, uh, yeah. All right. Let's do yeah, that. Thank you for talking to yeah, us. And thanks, yeah, man. Thanks for coming on. All right. It was great.